Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local guests on a variety of topics of interest for you and your family. Today, we are discussing another very serious pandemic topic. Actually, it's been a serious topic even before the pandemic, but now it's been exacerbated, and that is isolation of the elderly. My guest for this conversation and for all of my conversations on mental health issues is Nora Ann Brooklocker, a local licensed marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Welcome back, Nora Ann. Hey, thank you. Uh, this topic is near and dear to my heart as we talk about people who are mostly over 70, and I will be 71 soon. Uh, we have always known that COVID-19 is much riskier for the elderly, men and women over 70. Um, we knew that they were at risk for the disease, but what we're also talking about is that they're at risk for other issues, and certainly isolation is one of them. They don't see family, go shopping, participate in social activities. Um, but the irony is that though the pandemic has said you need to stay home, you need to self-quarantine, and certainly we were told to self-quarantine for quite a while starting in March, but the irony is that social isolation for many seniors um, can sometimes be a public health concern for them, um, that a senior can actually exacerbate any physical health issues and certainly mental health issues that they have. Isn't that true, Noran, that there is a correlation between the physical and the mental and that social isolation can exacerbate either one of those? Absolutely. Older adults are at increased risk for loneliness and social isolation in general, not just during COVID, um, because they're more likely to face factors such as living alone, um, the loss and grief, grief over a lifetime of family or friends who have now passed on, chronic illness, um, hearing of vision loss, etc. So there's, there's a lot of, of different factors that play in. Um, but in addition to that, it might also feel as if the world has changed dramatically, not just now, but over the many generations, and that values are not necessarily what they uh, once were, um, and that that shifting can also create a level of distress. But there certainly is a very high correlation between physical health and mental health, no doubt about it. Well, and that... Um that loneliness, social isolation, the loneliness that comes with that, um, that affects your physical and mental health, right? And, and is there a difference between loneliness and social isolation? Right. So loneliness um, is more of a subjective account of the quality of interactions that one is having. Uh, one can feel lonely even when surrounded by others perhaps because they do not feel that the quality of their interactions is in alignment with what they really desire, then social isolation is uh, an, an objective measure of how many people you're actually coming in contact with. Um, and so when it comes to this, this particular piece of it, um, I think that when it comes to loneliness, that absolutely is one that is going to be more distressing. Social isolation may not. You know, some people might 
prefer to be alone, that that really might be a lifestyle that they quite enjoy, but loneliness uh, tends to be something mental health-wise that is much more distressing and, again, certainly can lead to some of those physical health complications. Well, let's talk about that uh, loneliness in the middle of a crowded room uh, sort Mm -hmm. of phenomenon that I think most of us have experienced sometime in our lifetime where there's lots of people around us, but we still feel alone. What precipitates that? So I think that um, we'll we'll definitely get into this in future topics, like say how to have a hard conversation. But I think that um, there are times where people perhaps feel as if they don't quite fit in or they have social anxiety or Again, the the world has changed dramatically and they're not quite sure how to relate. It might be that they don't want to risk attachment, perhaps because they have had a number of losses over the course of their life. And by becoming attached or caring about others, again, it might be that, in fact, they're setting themselves up for more heartbreak. Um, I would say, for me, one of my, my own personal pet peeves is um, surface level conversation. Uh, I can do small talk. There's certainly a time and a place for it. But I I really love to be able to have a good, deep, soul-enriching type of conversation. And uh, sometimes that might not be what the person is receiving. Boy, I can relate to that. I'm also an introvert, though most people wouldn't imagine that I am. Uh, And that sort of uh, superfluous, well, that would be my observation of it, conversation, you know, how's the weather, what do you do for a living, does not uh, interest me greatly. I'd much rather have an in-depth conversation on the issues of life (laughs) than I would. Me too. Whether (laughs) it's, I can very much relate to that. But going back to the loneliness versus social isolation, I imagine that even before the pandemic, um, there were people that would go to senior centers in different places, so they weren't socially isolated, but still many times felt lonely. Um, we've shut down all of the senior centers and many of the places that the seniors would congregate. How can somebody make up for that in their life? What can somebody who's sitting in their home or their apartment, um, how can they not uh, feel so isolated and maybe not so lonely? So I think learning how to operate electronics might not be many of our first choices, um, but at the same time, getting set up with some of those options can be really helpful for still being able to participate in activities that um, they have loved and that have provided meaning, structure, and purpose in their lives. Uh, Sometimes taking the time to patiently teach these new electronics can be really, really appreciated. Simplifying if someone becomes overwhelmed by all the buttons. (laughs) Um, Turning on a TV used to be such a simple click of a button, and now remotes just have so many capabilities. Um, Smartphones as well. I think it can be just so overwhelming to use some of these devices, and I think that Sometimes people might really want to get into what is their typical routine, right? Um, So I I would definitely say caution against perhaps um, watching too much television. Uh, That's true, again, regardless of age. Um, By watching, say, too much news, that can have a huge impact on our mental health and well-being. 
Um, but I think as well, you know, there's um, there are definitely care providers, and um, I think for for the the elderly as well, it's having that trusted bubble of those whom you feel safe with. Um, this is going to be an ongoing experience, and I think one hard part for a number of people is if if they're later in life, they might not feel as if they have as much time. And so wanting to make the most of that time while at the same time having that time to make the most of, it's, it's a little bit of a, a difficult um, between a rock and a hard place sort of topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you as the electronic piece, I just had this little flash in my head that it would be great. Of course, access to health care, uh, we support a lot of seniors. If we had somebody that could go into some of the senior housing and do one-on-one demonstrations with people for electronics. Um, yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. I'm I'm sort of thinking about how I could possibly make that happen. But let's go back to the social isolation and the physical for people um, and the correlation between social isolation and dementia. Uh, is there a correlation between those two? Yes. According to the CDC, social isolation was associated with about 50% increased uh, risk of dementia. So research isn't entirely clear of this connection just yet, um, but some possible variables might include that lonely individuals may engage in poor health behaviors, such as a lack of exercise, poor dietary choices, or substance abuse. Also, loneliness is closely associated with depression, itself a factor for Alzheimer's disease. Um, research also suggests that cognitive activity may reduce the risk for dementia, and lonely individuals may suffer from a lack of cognitive stimulation with others. So it may increase stress or affect sleep, uh, which cat could have an influence on brain health, but when it comes to that social isolation, there is definitely that that lack of connection, that lack of stimulation, and that might be part of the contributing factor towards dementia. And can you can you explain to us that cognitive activity that you're talking about? So having a conversation with somebody, um, you know, that that might be part of why people want to debate politics or uh, want to talk about some of the current events. Um, you know, there, there's a number of different things that conversation can really bring to the surface. And, um, you know, it might be something like uh, doing Sudoku puzzles or the crosswords or things like that, watching Jeopardy, <laughs> trying to stimulate <laughs> that, that brain activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, it, it's really getting those neurons firing. It, it's getting people thinking, the critical thinking, um, mm-hmm. of, of different ways in which uh, they they have so much to share. That's one of my favorite parts of, of older populations and one reason why I, I personally look forward to one day being an, uh, an elder as well in that, you know, that's the ability to look back on one's life. But one of the things I would say that is sad is not being able to share those stories not being able to mm-hmm. share that wisdom. And um, that, that I would say, is one of the things that family members can also do to help the elderly. Well, let's talk about that because um, 
most of us have somebody in our family who's elderly, and what can we do to help them in amongst this pandemic uh, where maybe we're not in their bubble or they're not in ours or we're trying to keep them safe because they have um, another underlying illness? What would some real concrete things that you would suggest that family members do? So I think the solutions from family members should be not focused simply on increasing opportunities for people to meet or greet, um, right? So that's more quantity, social connection, um, but rather by helping them to build, maintain, and reestablish meaningful relationships. Again, so often older populations have just such incredible, rich history to share. And I have found often that they simply want to describe the life that they've lived. Um, mm-hmm. I want to share one personal piece here is that I recall this occasion with my own grandmother in which I went, I went to visit her, um, not during COVID, <laughs> but um, I found myself just riveted by her stories and 12 hours had passed. My, my brother and sister-in-law were actually worried sick because I, I dropped the ball and not checking in. So I definitely take accountability there, but my grandmother and I just talked and talked and talked, and it is an experience that I will hold near and dear to my heart. She just had so much to share, and I really had uh, immense gratitude for the opportunity simply to listen. Uh, Thus, simply bringing people together to increase the number of social contacts is is, uh, not an end in itself um, to specifically combat loneliness. It's really the quality of the relationships that need to be addressed. Hmm. I'm, I'm listening to everything you're saying. Um, how does someone know when they're experiencing loneliness that can affect their health? So how would someone know that they've um, moved over into uh, a t- loneliness that really could affect their life in some negative ways? So I definitely want to share some difficult statistics here. Um, because this is a reality. In 2018, those who were 65 and older accounted for 54% of the completed suicides, according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Mm. Mental health is a significant concern in U.S. nursing homes. Um, Nearly half of the residents are diagnosed with depression, according to the 2013 CDC report. And the main risk factors for senior suicide are what he calls, uh, what are called the four Ds, depression, debility, access to deadly means, and disconnectedness. So I think that retention of meaning in one's life is absolutely critical. And when someone really begins to feel disconnected, in general, chronic illness is very much a red flag for suicide. And when people don't necessarily feel as if life is going to get any better or they they feel this immense pain, but they don't necessarily have that counterbalance to outweigh it, um, or they feel as if they've been forgotten. You know, there's so many different ways that, that you could look at it. Those are all really key factors. And I think that mental health support has been shown to be extremely effective with this population. 
So it is okay to reach out and ask for help. Um, I also want to provide a number here. So people 60 and older can call the Institute on Aging's 24-hour toll-free friendship line at 1-800-971-0016. And the Institute on Aging also makes ongoing outreach calls to lonely older adults. So that is, I would say, a step down from mental health support, you know, um, but it might also be in addition to getting established with a therapist or somebody with whom you can have that regular contact with. Well, um, we know that social relationships can help someone to live longer and live better lives. Um, But our society, and I'm talking about the United States and I'm making a very general uh, statement here, Noran. Our society, we don't do what some other societies do, which is bring the elderly into your household and let them be a part of your family. Uh, we we don't do that in a lot of our societies, where in some other countries, that's the norm for them. And it seems, do they have, uh, I'm putting you on the spot a bit, but it would seem like they have less suicide rate because they are included in the family environment at a certain age. My mom once said to me um, that one of the things she loved was the idea of put the old with the young and Mm -hmm. um, that there is this sense of being able to then care for those upcoming generations, of feeling very much a part of the family as opposed to off to the side no longer having that sense of quote-unquote utility, I guess you could say. Um, And that, I think, is perhaps part of our society's idea um, that can be quite difficult is when you're no longer quote-unquote contributing to society, um, and that is very subjective, just to be clear, um, I -hmm. think that that's part of where people then are put to the side and um, no longer, quote-unquote, seen as important. Um, And I want to also say here that this has been one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to some of the perceptions with COVID is like, oh, well, that only affects the people who are older. So, you know, they they had less time to live anyway. That drives me nuts um, because I think that for, for many, they want to feel still very valued and that's sometimes where that contribution and difference lies is that sense of feeling valued um harvard research suggests that meaningful relationships are a prescription for better emotional mental and physical health um so an example would be healthy strong marriages as well as pets to care for have shown to have an effect on increased lifespan and I think it's, it's, again, sometimes feeling as if one has something to live for. Well, I think that all makes perfect sense. And I'm, I have, most people that know me know I have family on Maui, which if it was uh, anywhere, I would still visit them often. And I come over to Maui for four weeks, six weeks at a time. And I live with them. Even though I have a house here, um, I still live in their house with them. And it makes all the difference in the world. Of course, I have grandchildren running around, and after four to six weeks, I, 
I kind of want my own space, you know. But um, but it does add to that feeling of being uh, integrated, and the children keep the energy moving. And uh, even though at the end of it you want a little time alone, it really has its pluses. I think one of the things that happens for my age group, and I'm uh, I'm making a general statement, is that we don't want to be a burden to anybody. We don't we don't want to go into a family unit if we're not a hundred percent and be a burden to that family. But that also, I think, is uh, a result of some of our society's beliefs. Absolutely, I I think that with that as well, sometimes it's the level or quality of care that the family is able to provide. Um, there can sometimes be some extremely extenuating health circumstances that require a great deal more of care than what that family is able to give. Um, In this sense of being a burden, I think that that um, in a big way is a red flag across the board regardless of age group when it comes to the suicidal ideation, people feeling as if they're they're um, impacting others' lives, but not in a positive way that it would be so much easier if they just weren't here. Um, I think that when it comes to that sense of being a burden, um, perhaps sometimes too, you know, <laughs> uh, again, we'll cover it in the difficult conversations, I think sometimes there can be some some very strong um, political or value differences, and I think that when it comes to having those conversations, it, it can feel as if there's that polarization as well between generations, and mm-hmm. that I think is is actually really typical, regardless of if it's this divisive political year or or many others. Um, people's political views or sense of values do tend to change at least to a degree um, over their lifetime as perhaps they have different experiences or things happen to them personally that really affect their their beliefs there. Um, but when it when it really comes down to it, I think so often one of the the biggest regrets that people cite uh, when when they're close to their end, is not having spent that time with one another, that perhaps they prioritized other things. They were so busy and they just didn't see the opportunity while it was still present. Mm -hmm. And the time is now. The time is very much now to do exactly that. Well, that seems like a a good thing to wrap up on, uh, Noran, and that's about more than likely... We have quite a few family members of elderly people listening. And again, if you could give them a piece of advice on how to support um, that over 70 or elderly person in their life. I think that um, so often, they, they again, they, they want to be heard. They want to, to be acknowledged. They want to be reminded of, um, impact that they've had on the family. And the truth is any person in this world is going to make mistakes. Um, and, and hopefully we'll be able to limit the number of regrets that we have uh, as, as we get older. 
Um, but with that said, I find that so often when people are at um, some of their, their final moments, if you will, um, so often what they want to hear is, I love you and I forgive you. And if you're not able to be quite in that space yet, I think that's a great goal to work toward, of course, depending on what has happened or transpired within your own family. Um, But I think that that sense of being loved, being cared for, being valued, that's what any of us want to feel or strive toward. Um, And there's a tremendous amount of grief that comes from having a lifetime of having lost people and having gone through any number of major, major world and national events. And there's just so much beautiful wisdom to be offered. So I think that really it's so much more than, again, that idea of contribution to society, um, at least in uh, an economical term. I think that there's contribution in just humanity of being. Well put. Thank you, Noran, for this important conversation. For anyone listening, please pass on this podcast to any elderly person that you know or uh, family members of elderly people because I think there's some really good recommendations in it. My guest for this conversation has been Noran Brooklocker, a local licensed marriage and family therapist with Sierra Sunrise Wellness. Thank you again, Noran, for bringing us another very important topic with some great information. I am so grateful to be able to do this continuing series with you. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. For a list of our podcasts, go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast. And be safe, everyone. Wear your mask and call somebody that you think might be lonely.